Hello, this is the official Scottish Rugby Podcast with Caroline Blair and Chris Patterson. Uh, I haven't actually seen you yet, Mossy. Are we, are we too far in to say Happy New Year? Are we? Well, you, well, you know how grumpy I am, so that's an obvious <laughs> yes. But no, Happy New Year anyway. Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it comes in quickly, doesn't it? That's uh, right. Once you get back into like, in the European fixtures, obviously, and then on the eve of the Six Nations, I was saying before how, how this kind of perceived difficult time of the year or, or quite honestly difficult time of year for a lot of people is kind of lighting up with the Six Nations so uh, another round of Europe round of URC then the Six Nations is upon us so it's uh, it does you're right it, uh, happy new year anyway but it comes in quickly doesn't have doesn't it it does it feels like 20 minutes ago that we were talking about like the Autumn Nation series but like you say here we are looking ahead Guinness Six Nations uh, who better to help us have a wee look ahead to that than than the, a bath winger who uh, has also got two caps for England, but now qualifies for Scotland under the new eligibility laws. And, and you've just been named in Gregor Townsend's 40-man squad. Uh, so, Rudy McConaughey, lovely to, to see you. I mean, I'm pretty sure with a name like that, there's somebody in your family tree that is absolutely delighted that you'll potentially be pulling on a dark blue jersey. <laughs> <laughs> no, great to be here, thanks. Um, yeah, in answer to that last question, it's probably everyone in my family tree right now is is relieved finally, I think, that I've uh, sort of come back. <laughs> you have to tell us how this has happened because in the it's been a lovely surprise, but many in the you know Scottish fans and in the Scottish media across the board, you've been a you have been a surprise, and it was an unexpected name that we saw, but it's one that we're very delighted to see. Talk to us about how that journey came about. Yeah, so um, yeah, funnily enough, if you look at my name, you'd think there might be a few roots there. So my mum, my dad, uh, both fully full proud Scots dad was uh, brought up in Glasgow mum in Edinburgh mum a stone's throw from Murrayfield um we me and my brothers were born in born in London um so that's how the English qualification went down the line but yeah it was obviously 18 months ago I think when the new law came in uh, I remember chatting and sitting down with my sports psychologist at the time and sort of thinking like what's what's next in terms of my goal setting and stuff like that and I said to her I was like well this this new thing's come in and I know I'm injured at the moment, but I'd, if, if I can do anything, I'd love to have a crack at it and, and play for Scotland at one day or, or even be on the radar. So Gregor came and texted me one day and just said, I'm in, I'm in Bath, I'm in Farley, seeing uh, Cameron Path and Josh Bayless and wondered if you want to, wanted to have a catch up and basically asked me then if, if, if the time came that they did call, like, would I, would I be keen? And yeah, I said hundred percent. Wow. We knew they'd uh... be involved. Yeah, no, it's it's great to have it. I, and sometimes it's um, with a new player to the squad, you you don't have international experience, but you you one step beyond that, you do have international experience. You've played in the last World Cup, caps for England, played a, a huge amount of sevens and international level as well. So, so it's almost it, it's uh, I say comforting, but it's great to know that you can deliver on the big stage. You've done it. You've won international caps. So. To hear that it's you that's been driving this process with a wish and a want to play for Scotland is uh, is is excellent to hear. So it was um, how how did it? Don't make the decision, but why didn't you pursue more with England? Why was it Scotland? Was it that Scottish roots? Was it the parents? Was it the the drive? I believe you maybe were you involved in some of the age grade stuff with Scotland? No, so so yeah, so I I was. I, I did London Scottish. We were we were yeah. out, around the corner from Richmond when I was younger. Yeah. That was the first club uh, 
we, me and my two brothers got taken down to. There was no other choice at all. Dad was saying, <laughs> we're, we're going down to London Scottish. Richmond's next door, but we're not paying any attention to them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in, into London Scottish. Um, but apart from that, on, honestly, nothing I, I did. Um, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, uh, what is it? I'm not bitter about it at all. But I did, I sent a few emails when I was 18, 19 to the, into the Exiles program just to see if they're, there was any opportunities and and at the time there wasn't and and to be fair i i'd only really i played schoolboy rugby it not to a high level i wasn't involved in any county side or academy so if i'm a coach sitting here now and i see that like actually there was no stats to back up why i'd why i'd be picked um it shows so a lot of desire to play for school yeah, though which is yeah, great. yeah there was yeah <laughs> um and so went down the university route um just to get a degree I was going to go into teaching wanted to become a PE teacher and then in my last year there I, I did a bit with England students England universities rugby and and off the back of that got a trial with England sevens mm-hmm. and it was kind of at that point I was I was chatting to my dad about it a bit and sort of saying like I've heard nothing I've, I've never heard anything back from Scotland what what I don't know what to do and this is a great opportunity for me and and dad backed me 100% mum backed me 100% and mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up there. And I, I kind of look back at it now, as I said, like not bitter. I'm almost, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done. And potentially without that journey, I might not be where I am here today with a chance to get to, to the Six Nations squad. Mossy's just hinted at it there. I mean, what we're hearing there is is obviously a personal drive, but also a real desire, a real commitment to eventually getting to play for Scotland. And that's something that will resonate really strongly with the Scotland fans and indeed your parents too. You mentioned the sports psychologist. Um, I'm intrigued to hear about your goal setting there. You've you've got a real interesting mindset that I'd love to hear a bit more about. Uh, do you? Is that something that you are really conscious of? You've had goals throughout your career. Is that how you operate? Yeah, it's it's probably changed quite a bit. It's it's never it's never really consistent. I feel with in terms of my mindset and my goal setting. I think it, it can be it can go from week to week. It can go for big goals. I, this was the first ever massive goal, sort of big carrot at the end that I was aiming for. Um, everything else in my career has kind of come, come on by accident, I guess. I haven't been meaning to to choose it, but this one I, I remember really going like, you wrote it at the top of the page. And it's, I guess it's, it's kind of similar. You hear that Michael Phelps interview where he, he bats off like I'm. I'm not going for the medals. I'm not going for. I'm just want to go one race at a time, and and that's what you think about. That's what you write down. How do I? What are the short term goals to get to that final end goal? But it, in my head, it was it was always to try and get in the reckoning. Yeah, for the Scotland squad, and and yeah, I'm very very happy that I'm sort of that one step one step ahead now. And obviously, the next ultimate goal is survive camp firstly and then trying to push for a, a spot in that match day 23 you've heard about it then <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'll be you'll be very welcome you'll be very, it's a very welcoming place indeed but it's um it's great it's a brilliant story it's a real positive story it's great to hear the, the want and the desire and the excitement to play for scotland as well and and you know the psychological process that you've set out as well but but in terms of a kind of on-field technical process your skills you know played a huge amount of sevens, obviously, and uh, international player in the wing. Do you feel, and I think the answer is obviously yes, are you excited by the way that Scotland play? And do you feel as if you'd fit in well into the, the kind of general shape of the, the game that, that Scotland try and play and have had reasonable success? Yeah, definitely. I, I do love the way the attack and, you know, selfishly as a winger, I get excited because I see, 
when I watch in the autumn, the, the amount of touches Duan gets, the amount of touches that Darcy was getting, I, it, it really is exciting. And yeah. I think over the last year or two, they've they've really set the standards in terms of how many impacts you can have as a winger on international level. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's a great two, two starting wingers to look up to and trying to sort of battle against and learn off. Obviously, they're both so different in terms of you look at them and you go, well, one's a man mountain yeah. and one's smaller <laughs> than your average winger, but will make more meters in a, in a game than most, most wingers <laughs> in the professional game. So it's, yeah, it's, it's great to be able to, well, great to have the opportunity to be able to learn off them. And, and hopefully, you know, you, you want to challenge them because either it, it makes you better and it makes them better. Do you know them? Because obviously you maybe well, Duhan was down at Worcester, obviously just not too far along the road from you and, Playing about sevens maybe against Darcy over the years. Do, do you know them personally, or do you know anybody yeah. other? Well, Joss and Cam. There are other players you would know in the squad. Um, I know Jamie Batty from his time oh, down in Bath. Bath. He did a he did a short mm-hmm. stint, but no, I I guess look, looking at the squad, I don't know many. Um, obviously, apart from watching them or playing against some of them, um, I had a fair few ding dongs against Darcy on the on the World Series, which which was good. I think he probably. Actually, looking back at the results, he probably came out on the winning end more often. Um, so it'll be it'll be good to you know meet them as persons <laughs> rather than just someone on the opposite team. Um, so I'm, yeah, looking forward to it. Talk to us about about Josh and Cam. Then you know your 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 Bath teammates. What did they say, if anything? I remember Josh Bayless was saying that Cameron Redpath uh, played quite a big role in his decision making in terms of his decision to ultimately come in and pull on the dark blue jersey for Scotland. What have they said to you? And do we need to get a wee agents fee uh, towards Cam Redpath for <laughs> bringing in another fantastic signing? Yeah, he'll say you will. Um, but no, he. <laughs> yeah, they they've been great. Like, they're both. First of all, they're they're both great individuals and great people. Like, um, they're so easy to chat to. They're they're happy to give up as many times as, as much time as they want and as as you need. And you know, Cam was texting me all over the last few days, just seeing if I needed any help or anything like that. So um, no, it's it's been great to have them. Um, obviously as a back it's it's great to have cam and be able to chat to him like what's it like in camps how's it like like the attacking shape do you get much freedom and stuff like that and he mm-hmm. he always comes back from camp loving it and and saying how how cool it is and how good the sessions are and how he loves the sort of the, the game plan that Scotland have and and that's what I'm 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 really excited to be a part of. Have any of your former England teammates been in touch as well? Have you have you had any chat from the other side of of the of the uh, of, of the match? Yeah, yeah, had loads. Obviously the guys at the club will be the first to, you know, get into you, get stuck in straight away. Um <laughs> but no, it's it's all been really positive. Everyone's everyone's super happy. Everyone People that know me obviously know my background, know my roots, um, know my family and friends and stuff. So, like they they know it. Like it's it's a very personal thing for me, and and it's something that I truly believe in. So it's yeah, it's it's great to have all their support, and yeah, no no one's no one's taken it too far just yet. Uh, and sorry to jump around subjects, whatever. It's it's so engaging. It's great. I was going to ask you about. Uh, well, your, your, I suppose your 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 mum and dad's reaction as well, but I can guess that, so we won't go yeah. down that route. A um, <laughs> lot of it, lot of expletives. <laughs> yeah, in terms of um, Six Nations, and obviously this this tournament, it's a wonderful tournament. It's a really intense tournament. There's loads of emotion around it. There's loads of you know, kind of desire to get off to a winning start, a good start. But from a spectator's point of view, or, or somebody who's looked 
uh, you know, as a player at the Six Nations from the outside looking in at it, what does it mean to you, and and how do you think that'll prepare for potential being involved in it? Yeah, it's it does it, it sort of takes me it does take me back to sort of when I was younger and the childhood memories that I've got when I was growing up with my dad and with my brothers and with my mum, sort of supporting Scotland through it and the, the like in terms of big moments in Scottish history like the earlier wins. And as as it came into Six Nations, with I was probably just getting into rugby and just watching it. But I remember, you know, Sean Lamont at the back of a driving mall at Murrayfield against France, scoring one of the winners. I remember um, two thousand. He'll love that. He will love that yeah. memory. He <laughs> <laughs> scored two tries that day, actually. Two tries, yeah. both against France. Sean. Yeah, it was bleach. Was it his bleach hair. blonde hair that's yeah, yeah. that stuck that, out? That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, BT scoring uh, a hell of a winner away at Ireland and stuff like that. Like the, all these memories yeah. sort of filter back in, and like it's it's an incredible competition that it's it's so good to to still be going and like the age old rivalries that are still like still alive and well and it's yeah it, it's it's the proof is in the attendance is every year it's like sellouts and sellouts and people absolutely love the build up to the six nations um and that's it kind of adds a bit more fuel to the fire and, and gets you really excited to to be a part of a of a, a six nations campaign which i've never done before speaking of those old driver rivalries i mean the first up, first game is against England at Twickenham. How does that feel for you in terms of the fixture list? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's um, it's funny how these things come around. Obviously, like <laughs> as a player, you, you don't want to. Like the the main thing for me, I'm just nervous about going into camp on first day and meeting new people because I'm yeah I'm awkward enough at the best of times. So meeting a whole new group of new people is is pretty terrifying for me. But it's. It'll, it, it'll be an incredible experience and you know obviously hopefully you, you want to be involved in in a Calcutta Cup game and you know away at Twickenham it's like it's a, it's obviously a seriously tough place to go but you know with two wins from the last two two Six Nations like Scotland go we go in there with massive confidence so it's yeah it's it's incredible it's it's cool how it's come around like it but um yeah looking forward to the first two weeks of camp first and then not worrying about that too much just yet. You'll have to get past uh, Stuart Hogg as well. I mean, I don't know if you've seen on social media what he gets up to against the wingers. Like, if you look at what, what Duhan went through during the Autumn Nation series <laughs> and Hoggy's scare cam, I mean, oh. it's certainly a fun camp to be in and I'm sure you're, you're definitely looking forward to getting stuck in. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Really. <laughs> you might, uh, not to give too much away, obviously, but you might meet or be alongside or against quite a few of your uh, teammates on Friday where yeah. Bath obviously face Glasgow uh, yeah. so you know, don't get too much away but if you are up will you stay up after the game or will you uh, go back so, home yeah. and come back so, for yeah, funnily enough I um, dad lives up in Perthshire and a few weeks ago I'd, I'd messaged Johan van Graan our, our head coach at Bath and I was like oh, for the Glasgow week I don't know what the team's going to be um, I don't know if we're going to rotate whatever pick the strongest and I was like but like can I just be involved whether it's a travelling reserve whatever can I come up because it's a good chance to stay at my dad's after. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be coming up whatever on Friday night and uh, staying with my dad for the weekend. So it makes it a bit easier. Although I stupidly, I'd already booked a flight back down on Sunday night. So I need to try and plug that <laughs> off to someone at the moment. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good. Um, and that, well, looking at that game, uh, obviously the, you didn't play in the, the first game where, where Glasgow came down and got a, a victory at Bath. They've played really well in the, uh, the challenge cup sent last couple of outings um, they're on a hot streak I think of eight in a row or seven or eight wins eight, in a nine. row so mm-hmm. it'll be a big challenge mm-hmm. 
yeah, a big challenge, but one you'll be, or Bath will be looking forward to, to, to come up and play an entertaining brand of rugby, I assume. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, you look, you look at the, like you said, the brand of rugby that's played at Scottsdale is like, it's, it's fast. It's great to watch. It's great for the fans. Um, and it's, it's incredibly tricky up there. I think it's, I think someone said the stats 15 months since they've lost there. And it's so it's obviously a really tough place to go, but uh, as a club, we've got a, we've got a win to progress uh, into the knockout. So we've got to throw everything at it. Um, whatever the different game plan, we might change for it, but um, it's, it's an exciting prospect. Like you can't, you can never go up somewhere and go, Oh, it's a tough place to go. Do I want to go? If anything, that's like, it, it gives you more, yeah, more willpower yeah, to go and do well. If it's, hostile crowd like you love it it's that's that's why you do it you've obviously I mean we're tapping into here the, the challenge um cup there and, and as Mossy alluded to earlier you you have that advantage of having played test level rugby before talk to us about your thoughts on each part of the competition in terms of you've got the domestic game you've got then you know the the European outings and you've got the test for you what's the difference between each of those stages and in, in in terms of your own enjoyment of the game, do you go out and attack each game as though it's just the next performance, or do you feel something different in a test environment compared as compared with your week on week club club outings? Yeah, it's a good question. I I do think there's, um, for me personally anyway, there's there is a different level each time. I think you can't help it, but you you go from a for me a. Gen, uh, a regular premiership game, you know that's what happens. It's week in, week out. You go to Europe, there's suddenly the European theme tune playing as you walk out onto the pitch, and that is different, and it, you can't help but feel slightly different. And then, obviously, the test match, it's magnified by 100. Like, it's suddenly there's fireworks going off, there's flames, there's sellout, 60,000, 70,000 people in the stadium, and it's it's crazy. There, I, I do think as a, as a player, it's that the higher the level gets the less chances you're more likely to have in the game. And it, it's how how well you can take those chances because it won't come around again. And it's it's being on it for, for 80 minutes face to face rather than assuming you're going to get another chance in that game. Um, and that's probably the difference where I found in the past between sort of regular week in, week out premiership games and the international and a test match. Bang on, Ray. It's so true. I always felt as well, the time you have to make a decision or the time you have on the ball. Now, the time difference is minuscule, but it actually makes a big difference. I remember playing um, Scotland versus Ireland at Murrayfield, the end of Six Nations one year, and it was just absolute chaos. Now, it was a Saturday, super Saturday, absolute chaos, no time, everything going a million miles an hour. The following Friday, Edinburgh played Leinster on the same pitch, uh, obviously, far fewer spectators here, roughly give or take the same team. I mean, we, we had maybe about 12 in the national team at that point, and Leinster maybe six or eight. So in effect, it was two-thirds exactly the same, but it was completely different. The kickoff came off, and I remember just watching it, I thought, this is slow motion. And you, <laughs> nobody's trying any less. Nobody's a poorer player in six days, but just the, the intensity and the emotion and the speed and the, the whole occasion around international rugby, it's just just mind blowing um when yeah. it's the same ultimately most of the same players yeah it's it is crazy and i i feel that's probably in the past where if the the differences between them I, i've definitely noticed in in the test matches it, it just it goes it goes by so quickly mm -hmm. and suddenly you've gone like it's gone 50 minutes 60 minutes yeah. and i feel like it's like i blinked and it's it's happened mm -hmm. already um 
Yeah, unless you get cramped, and it seems like yeah. it's taking forever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have uh, Have you had a chance to enjoy BT Murrayfield as a spectator? I mean, sixty seven thousand one hundred forty four fans cramming into that incredible atmosphere in the bowl. Uh, looking at the first home game, for example, Scotland v Wales. Uh, I think that's the eleventh, isn't it? Eleventh of February. Mm-hmm. That one. Have you had chance as a spectator to be in uh, in inside the bowl? Yeah, yeah, quite a few times. Uh, as I said, like childhood memories, we went up there quite a bit. Um, obviously, mum's side, the family's all Edinburgh, East Lothian. So we'd go up, stay with them and then get along to whether it was a Calcutta Cup game, whether it was, yeah, Scotland where I remember so, going so to it a was regular for it was a regular part of your... Yeah, yeah, and, it was definitely what, regular. What do you think of it as a stadium? Because it's such a... I must ask mostly this all the time. When you're, at, when you're at pitch level, it's such an intense experience, surely, when you're... You know, so I'd love to hear what your thoughts are in terms of looking forward to playing at BT Murrayfield uh, and in front of a potentially sellout crowd. Yeah, it's, 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 it's incredibly exciting. I think you, you remember when you're there, you remember the wins and you remember the atmosphere that came alongside it and you realize how big a difference the fans make when they're fully on it and they're really getting behind you and it's just so loud it's buzzing and you can just you almost get a bit of an adrenaline rush from thinking about it or from from listening to it so it's yeah it's incredibly exciting sort of thought to to have that you could be running out there I tell you what I'm excited by is the size of your smile when you're talking about running out at BT Murrayfield. That that warms that, that certainly warms the, the the Scotland fans' hearts. If you can't see it at the moment and you are indeed listening to the podcast and not just watching it, uh, Rudy, we wish you nothing but the very best. I mean, uh, as as Mossy said there, we've got a big weekend for you. Looking between now uh, and then camp starting on Sunday and into Monday next week, you're then going to Spain with Scotland too. Uh, so so quite quite a busy couple of weeks ahead for you. Yeah, I'll be yeah definitely having packed my factor thirty. Haven't used that in a while, so that'll be packed. <laughs> but yeah, look at yeah looking forward to it. Just um, yeah, getting back almost into a camp environment, which I I really do love. You can perform at your best. You can recover at your best. Food's there, which is incredible as an athlete. You just unlimited food. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait. Good on it you. Always Good. goes back Good to food. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Rudy. All the very, very, very best. And we very much look forward to seeing you in a dark blue jersey. No, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. What a lovely guy. Really nice proper, lad. It's a proper desire to play for Scotland there, isn't it? It's uh, it's really good as well to hear his story behind becoming a professional international sports person and the fact that actually, if you're not really on the radar when you want to be as a younger player, keep going, you know, yeah. and it's, and you know, it's effectively university and then the, the opportunity through England sevens. So it sounds as if his want and his family's want was to be involved with Scotland initially. Uh, and that never came along. And of course, if a, an opportunity then arises where he was born in England to play for, to play for England, go for it. And you, did, you know, it's an incredible achievement to be capped for any country. And, you know, it's especially, you know, you, you know, England, um, but there's a want and a desire, and it's there's a an understanding and a knowledge of Scottish rugby there that he's a proper fan. He's properly lived oh, Scottish he, he, rugby the, growing the, up. The, the commitment was shown right through there as well, isn't it? And actually, mm. it's almost the um, if if 
as I say, if you weren't able to see it and you're listening to it via the podcast, he, his facial expressions, he's really, really mm-hmm. excited. Uh, and I know that Sean Lamont will be as well here and that he's played a part <laughs> in his uh, in his journey with Scotland. Um, so, I mean, he's one of, of yeah. what, four uncapped Scotland, yeah. uncapped Scotland players anyway. What, what did you make of, of Gregor Townsend's 40-man squad, Mossy? What were you It's thoughts? exciting. It's exciting. It's um, Even with the number of players unavailable through injury or, or you know... Uh, yeah, mainly injury. Really, it's it's still strong. It's really strong. It's an excitement, quite a familiar ring to it. Although there's four uncapped players, so there's new faces. But overall, it's quite a, a familiarity to it. Um, uh, and yeah, four uncapped players. Obviously, spoke to to Rudy there. Um, Stafford McDowell, who's been just playing oh, really well for Glasgow. Really He's been involved in you know a number of squads before and 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 with Scotland. So uh, he gets his reward for for playing well, really well in a and a really kind of congested midfield spot. There's a lot of quality yeah. players missed out, as well as the quality that's in there. So it's a, it's a really hot position, that. Um, Cam Henderson, Cameron Henderson, somebody we know well from coming through the age grade, playing school and all his age grade rugby here. Um, then well, the Fodrock Academy, that's so a real success yeah, story. Yeah. Well, he moved away, oh, I can't move away, maybe a few years ago, um, mm-hmm. to Leicester uh, and... Uh, broke in playing the first team and then got a bad knee injury. So uh, is um, was a part part of Scotland Day, I think as well at one, one point or, or due to be part of Scotland Day a couple of years ago as well. So so for Cam to uh, to come back in is excellent. Played really well on on Friday night for for Leicester. He's a big second row, intelligent player, good line out caller. I remember him coming through the age grade system and he was just massive. He was just not as you know physically big outwards as he is now his muscle mass but it was huge but he was able to get low he was able to get low in clear outs he was able to get low in tackles just a real athlete um was a big part of kind of age grade rugby a few years ago so it's great to see him coming in and the, the fourth uncapped player is obviously Ben Healy the, the Munster standoff who signed for for Edinburgh next year who's Scottish qualified and it's um uh it'll be interesting to see to see Ben coming over he's played well for Munster the last couple of weekends he's, he's probably not played as much rugby as he'd wanted for Munster this season um mm-hmm. but when he has played he's, he's played well a real confident player real um almost like more mature player than his it's rugby history yeah yeah it's, mm-hmm. to me it looks like a really mature physically strong physically big but real mature decision maker um kicks really well kicks at the right time um it almost looks as somebody who's you can't imagine being flustered the intelligent mm, player so it's great for him ice in the head fire in the belly yeah that's the one so yeah. uh, great for him to to come in and get his exposure to, to the national setup. Um, and it'll be a competitive camp I mean just I mean, really running through the names that he's competing against and I think that's great I think the fact that training will be competitive it will be hard there's obviously a round of fixtures in Europe this weekend and then training next week it's it's hard it's real and you're competing for a place to stay in the squad to be in the, the match day 23 so yeah um, I t- tell you who I'm delighted I'm, I'm delighted to see uh, Sean Maitland as well I mean yeah. what he's been doing for Saracens which probably ties us up quite nicely as well for a bit, bit of chat in Edinburgh but he uh, it's great to see his name back in there you know British and Irish line coming back and bringing experience with into the even into the camp setting having that there's it's a really nice squad that he's going with here and that's what I'm saying. It's balanced, isn't it? It's like there's attacking mm. intent, there's new faces, there's experience. You look at some of the the hottest form in Europe in terms of Sione at 12 or 13 you know, in the midfield and Luke Cosby in the back row. There's real 
proper hot form as well. Um, one or two injuries that I suppose are bracketed in terms of Xander. He's not played it, obviously, because he's been he's injured and hopefully be fit by the time of play. Um, Hoggy's not played the last couple of weeks. Uh, Hamish is coming back to fitness. And obviously you're missing um, guys like Rory Darge and, uh, Darcy. and Darcy uh, that hopefully will play some part going forward. But, you know, for, for I mean, no team will ever be injury-free. We've said that often. Um but it's a real good mix, and it just adds to that. I think it adds to that competitive spirit the, uh, that you need within training. Um, training will have to be intense as well because when you, the first weekend of the Six Nations, as we're talking to Rudy before about the intensity in the game, the speed in the game, the emotion around the game, the, the flames, the expectation on you, the pressure, the everything, you have to have really intense training sessions to prepare you for what will be um, you know, summon a level up when you, you play your first game. So having the quality within the squad to allow those sessions to be at that level, I think is real important. Well, a key part of the game is, of course, scrummaging and the Rugby Development Department at Scottish Rugby has launched a new programme, Scrum School, which is designed to better prepare and develop individuals in the front row positions across all levels of the domestic game. Let's hear now from the Director of Rugby Development, Gav Scott, Scottish Rugby's Game Development Manager, Sinclair Patience, and Scotland Internationals, Murphy Walker and Eliane Clark, as they welcome the new programme. So the reason behind Scrum School is really just to build the, the knowledge and skills of our, our coaches, which in, in turn will have a real impact on the, the number and the quality of players coming through our pathways. Um, so at the moment we have some, some really great front row players um, and forward players in general, but we do have a, a lack in volume um, of players coming through that system. So really just looking to, to build on that. Yeah, so there's, there's a number of different aspects to Scrum School. Um, we're going to kick things off with uh, some practical workshops, which will be aimed at coaches throughout the country. Um, alongside the practical workshops, we'll also have an online resource. Um, so that'll be accessible to, to all coaches through Hive, our, our online learning module. Um, and in addition to that, once we reach the summer months, we're going to have some uh, Scrum Skills camps running regionally throughout the country. Yeah, so we've got a sort of group of about 50 educators throughout the country. Um, they're spread out nicely regionally. So within each region, um, we've got about 10 educators who are now ready to deliver Scrum School. Um, so they'll be kicking off with the practical workshops towards the end of this month, end of January, and that will run right through till May. So um, yeah, we did, we did a, an educator acquaint and they're all ready to go. It's really exciting. It's a great, great programme. Um, it's a great, great to be launching something that's specifically about the front row. It's obviously a personal um, thing for me as well, and I've I played front row all my life, really. Um, and it's it's a great position to be in, but it's also got its own specific um, things that are relevant to it. So we need players to be able to play front row safely. So we need to train them um, both in the community game and and if they go forward further. But we also need more people to understand that that can be relatively easily done nowadays. So more people can play front row. It's for a wider range of people than uh, is maybe popularly perceived. It's perceived to be maybe the, the biggest and, and sometimes slowest people in the game. But if you look nowadays, um, 
particularly even at the international men's game, a lot of those players have come from uh, come from back row or come from other positions on the field to play in the front row, and it's not it's not too late to change for many players. So we can we can broaden out, I think, the range of people who are, are able to play in the in the in the front row in, in our game. You know, it's a massive initiative to push for front rowers because it's something that throughout when I was younger it was kind of not, not frowned upon but it was a bit scary kind of moving from the back so the back row and then going into prop or hooker so and I think it's good promoting that young kids could play front row and uh, obviously it helps the pipeline of front rowers going all the way up to from grassroots all the way up into here and then hopefully in 10 years time they'll have some great front rowers. I think I was nervous as well at first um, it's quite a scary place to be in if you haven't done it before but I think Give it a go. It's exciting to get in there. It feels great when you're all working together as a team with the whole pack. And I think you'd never know until you try. And I would encourage everyone to have a go. We're, we're trying to sort of bust some myths around the scrum with, with, with this programme. Um, and the, the only place to start is by chatting to your coach and, and getting in there. Is there an advantage then from that perspective and from a coaching perspective and from the player's perspective to having European outings yeah. in the build-up? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, and proper, I mean, at Edinburgh, as you say, I'll play Saracens this week, the, the leaders in, again, his premiership, with, uh, the Gallagher Premiership, sorry, with all the uh, international players. And that's a that's a proper, as close that's to a test match as you'll get. Uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, and Rudy's obviously mentioned Bath, treating this as a must win. So the Glasgow players will play that and the other players, of course, will be playing in the knockout fixtures. Well, effectively, knockout fixtures um, for for qualification or for home qualification. So, of course, but it still doesn't replicate what it will be in two weeks' time when Scotland face England. It's up another level. Um, and you have to you have to get to that level or as close to that level as possible. Um in your own systems, with your own attack shape, with your own defence nuances, that will be different from your club. And to do that, you need a level of intensity and training. Um, not not a lot. I mean, you don't need to have sessions that last two hours. It's, it's short bursts of intensity that's putting you under a time pressure or a physical pressure or a cognitive pressure in terms of changing calls late that prepares you for the game. And yeah, the squads allows Gregor and his coaches to do that. And the European Games, followed by one final URC week, um, we'll, we'll add to that as well. Well, you mentioned those outings there. So Glasgow are at home to Bath on Friday the 20th. That's an 8pm kickoff time. And meanwhile, Edinburgh uh, will host Saracens at the Dam Health on Sunday. And I think that's a 5.30 kickoff for that game, isn't it, Mossy? And just very briefly on Edinburgh, because we did tap into them uh, with Rory there, as you mentioned, uh, for Glasgow. But in terms of Edinburgh, it's been it's been a wee bit of a wee bit of a rough run, but uh, it's working in Europe. Yeah, really good win away from home last week. Uh, you know, winning uh, away from home in France with, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of disruption for, you know, players having to be changed in the morning of the game. Now, they're prepared for that. Obviously, the players coming in will, would have prepared for it and, and, and be planning. But it's still four changes on match day, which is difficult to, to handle. But um, great performance to win away from home in France with a bonus point against a team that were in the top 14 final last year. Um uh, is an excellent result after a really hard-fought win against Zebra the week before. Um, so back to winning ways, and it's a big ask this weekend for, for Edinburgh, but um, 
the opening game of the the Champions Cup was away at Saracens, and it was a that was a proper ding dong battle. So, oh, uh, that was a good one. I know. So hopefully more <laughs> of the same with a bit of home advantage this weekend, and and Edinburgh can uh, can uh, can get a uh, hopefully another victory. As always, you can keep across Scottish Rugby's social media channels for the latest news and content. And you can watch highlights of the Tenants Men's and Women's Premiership action on Scottish Rugby's YouTube channel. That's it from Mossy and I for this week. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us. We'll be back next week with more on the official Scottish Rugby podcast. Mm -hmm.